say during that song, turn to your neighbor and, and do-si-do or swing around or swing around. What an exciting way to 
get some energy going and to get us started here this morning at Cross Timber. It's a wonderful Sunday morning. Can't believe it's already the middle of January. Um, it's kind of continuing the, the pace from last year where the months just seem to fly by and we are excited to be here to worship and to celebrate the the fact that Jesus is alive and he's ruling and he's reigning on his throne and we are glad that you're here to be a part of it. So I welcome you in the name of Jesus to our service here at Cross Timber, whether you're regular folks or visitors, we are so glad that you've joined us today. And I just want to point out a, a way that you can ask questions or let us know about your visit or share a prayer request, and that's the little card we have in our bulletin. looks just like this. We call it a Connect card, and you can ask questions, you can provide information, or you can share prayer requests. Just drop that in the offering plate when we pass that around here in a few moments. As we prepare to worship this morning, I just want to highlight a few things before we read together from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The first thing is the smell may have already alerted you to the fact that today, right after service, we'll have our fellowship lunch, followed by our quarterly meeting. So it's a great opportunity to enjoy lunch together, fellowship around tables. And let me just tell you, if you did happen to come and not bring anything, don't worry. Just get in line and enjoy some food. Nobody will will know, and there will be plenty for everyone. We celebrate um, just the, the fellowship that we have because of Jesus in us. Please plan to stay, even if you haven't made plans. We would love to have you for lunch, um, and that goes for visitors and members alike. And then after we've had a time to fellowship and eat, we'll have our quarterly meeting, and hopefully be out of here at a, a decent time. So you'll have that to look forward to in just a few moments. Also, some of you have been waiting for a long time about um, our picture directory. We mentioned that several um, months ago, the idea of having another one just so we can identify folks. And we are ready to start taking photos for that beginning next Sunday. So starting next Sunday, the 22nd, and then the Sunday after that, the 29th, and then the following Sunday, February 5th, you'll have opportunity to have your picture taken for our directory here at Cross Timber. Um, there's no um, there's no sales pitch. There's no strings attached. You just simply show up between 9 and 9.30 before Sunday school or right after the service be ready, and Jeff will take your picture. The only thing we ask is that you take a look at our church directory and make sure we have your name right, your phone number right, your address correct, your email, so we can make sure we have correct information. And so you'll have several opportunities during the next three weeks to take care of that. Um, it's on a first-come, first-served basis, no appointment necessary, and it will only take a few minutes per family. And we'll look forward to seeing a finished product and being able to flip through and put faces with names. Also, next week, tomorrow morning, men, 6.30, Elk Diner. John has a special guest. What's his first name? Ryan Morris. And he has um, been a friend of John's for a long time, and he's going to join us for breakfast. And um, again, he's not there to solicit or sell anything. He's just going to be there to fellowship with us as men. And so we have an opportunity to enjoy that 6.30 at the Elk Diner. And then Sow and Grow is on the 19th. That would be um, Thursday from 1 to 4 p.m. here at the church. So if you are interested in, in sowing or crafting and also um, just doing that with the mission's influences and want to hang out and fellowship with some, some ladies, that's 1 to 4 here at the church. And you can see other dates and times um, in the bulletin. I'd like us to read 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We'll start in verse 16 through 
verse 21 before our deacons come, but before that I want to highlight something for you because one of the verses that we're going to read, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, um, will soon become our church memory verse for the book of Jan- for the month of January. Um, after the service, you'll find on the table um, a card that looks just like this. This one happens to be green, and I'll tell you why it's green in just a moment. Um, it has a copy of 2 Corinthians 5.17. It is included in a little magnetic pocket that you can put on your refrigerator or something that is magnetic. And for this time and this time only, you will receive a magnetic sleeve for that, and then in coming months you'll receive a card insert in that. And I'm just asking you as a, as a church family to, to read this, to memorize this, to commit yourself to meditate on it for the next few weeks as we finish out the month of January. Um, the, month, the color green um, helps us to, to recognize that it goes with um, what we believe our process here is at Cross Timber, and that's to gather, grow, and go. And green is for grow, and growing in Christ is one of our most important aspects of being a, a Christian. And so there, there will be plenty of these. They'll be out on the, the table, put it on your refrigerator, wherever you'll see it most. Um, it's fairly short. It's easy to remember, and we'll um, mention that in weeks to come. But I wanted to highlight that for you before we read together from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 16, because that verse will come up very soon. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16 says this, From now on, therefore... We regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ... God was reconciling the world to himself. Not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Gentlemen, we come as we receive our offering today. Our Father, we thank you for being our gracious Heavenly Father that is above all we become. We come to you this morning in the name of Jesus who has been given the name that's above every name, every principality and power is subject to him. So we rejoice, Lord, to come before you, knowing that we have an audience with you, just as we have our inheritance in you, because of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord. Thank you for that privilege that we have this morning to worship you in spirit and truth. And we pray that our hearts would be clean as we listen to you forgiveness of sin and, and for reconciliation to you so that your spirit will have freedom to move among us and do what you want in each life. And Father, we do pray for Rusty this morning that you bless him 
you've given us here and as a leader over us in this church, and we thank you for that. We pray that you continue to bless him and bless his family. And now, Lord, we uh, wait before you. We pray that you would uh, bless his message and uh, give unction and power to us and use it according to your will and purpose. And you say, you say that your word will not return unto you void, but it will accomplish all that you have in mind. We pray that would be true today. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us so abundantly we can give it back to you if that portion of it you require, that uh, you could use it. And we pray that it would be multiplied and used all around the world for the purposes you intended. We give you thanks and praise.
stand and sing with us this morning. There's no space that his love can't reach. There's no place that we can't find peace. There's no end to amazing grace. Take me in with your arms spread wide. Take me in like an orphan child. Never let go, never leave my
your your Bible along or your phone. Colossians chapter 1 is where we'll begin here in just a moment. Love that song, Living Hope. I love that, just that, that stanza where it talks about, um, you know, then came the morning, you know, his broken body began to breathe. And just at that moment when, you know, you feel like everything is finished, you know, God could just be about to start a new beginning. I don't know if you watch football, but last night about three-quarters of the way through the first half, if you were interested in the football game, you might have realized it was 27 to nothing, and probably all hope was thought to be lost for the um, Jacksonville Jaguars and their their long-haired, Jesus-loving quarterback um, who had thrown four interceptions, and they scored a touchdown, and I thought, well, Maybe there's a chance. I watched a little bit of the third quarter, and they, they got to 30 to 20. And I, I had, to, had to look at the, the Amazon analytics that said if, that there was an 88.3% chance that, you know, San Diego was still going to win the football game. And so I just gave up on it. And if you stayed to the end, you realize that Jacksonville won 31 to 30. Now, I say that because so many times in our life we give up before the end. And, and this has nothing to do with you know, the message this morning, but it's just a word of encouragement. Our end, if you listen to the lyrics in that song, the end of our story is already written. And we have no place to give up before the end. We may not understand what God, God is doing. We likely don't like what God is doing. But don't give up because God is not finished. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. He always finishes what he starts. And so whether it's in your life, in the life of one of your children, a family member, whether it's finances, whether it's your job, whether it's your education, no matter what it is, don't give up. God's not finished. In fact, he may just be getting started. Amen and amen. Colossians chapter 1. Last week we started looking at and we went halfway through the idea of Christ first and I ask you a question you may or may not remember. You know, what would you say is first in your life today? And maybe that has changed between last week and this week. Hopefully it has. Some people would probably say, you know, it's my family. Oh, no, it's my job. No, it's my health, my finances. You know, and and likely whatever that thing that comes first to your mind is probably what is the most important thing in your life. It's the thing that when you're driving around in the car, your mind just kind of focuses on it and plays over and over again. It's the thing that you respond emotionally to most likely. It's the thing that your calendar and your finances tend to be um, geared toward. And it shapes life in your family and life in your church. 
But we saw, at least in the first two things, that when we put Christ in the right place in our life and in our family, that everything else just seems to fall into place. And so in continuing on this morning, I want us to continue to think about that idea that putting Christ first is the top priority for you, your family, and your church. And we introduced this idea by reading in Colossians chapter 1, this wonderful passage um, inspired by the Holy Spirit, penned by Paul, that gives just a wonderful picture of the place of priority that the Lord Jesus is given in both heaven and in earth. And as we read together, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 20, I just invite you, if you're able, just to stand with me this morning as we read God's Word together. Um, in honor of Jesus, our Savior, the one that God has given first place. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent or have first place. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. Join me in prayer before you are seated. Jesus, we thank You that You are head over all things and that the Lord of all creation has given you first place. And Lord, help us this morning in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, in our actions to give you first place in every way. Help us to hear your voice. Teach us by the power of your Spirit. And we pray that you would help us to honor and glorify you in all we do. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. So in just starting, before we get to the outline that you'll find on the back page or in the middle section of your, your bulletin, just want to review a little bit from what we talked about last week, that the idea of putting Jesus first really starts with understanding and believing in the gospel message, that Jesus lived, Jesus died, he was crucified, he rule, roll, rose from the dead, and he rules and he reigns today over all things. So... Its story started with a manger, there was a cross, there was a tomb, but now there is a crown and a throne that he rules and reigns, and one day he is coming again. And he has first priority in all things. And when that happens in a person, it can transform a life. And that one person can transform a family. And a person or a family in a church can transform a church or a neighborhood. And having families that put Jesus in that place of priority is the most important thing that we can do to, to reach out to the community around us. That if we want to partner with God as He does His work to rebuild families, then we need families in every community, everywhere around that put Jesus first. That are not only transforming on the inside, but they are doing God's work to help transform the world around them. And it starts one person, one home, that broken families 
little by little can be transformed into homes where Jesus is first. And we started last week about talking about how that, that begins in you, that there is a personal decision every person on the face of the earth must make. And that is, what are we going to do with the truth about who Jesus is? Are we going to take that first step and trust in faith that he is who the Bible says he is? Are we going to give him first place? So it begins with trusting. Then there's that daily relationship of abiding and the process of growing. And as one person as a, at a time puts their hope in Christ that community schools, workplaces, churches are transformed. And so your family and your church needs you to put Jesus first. And then secondly, last week we looked at how Christ is to be first in our homes. That if we want to partner with God to help rebuild families, then we need to be homes where Jesus is given first place. That He is present and prioritized in our homes. That our actions, our attitudes, our decisions are based on what Jesus thinks and where He leads. And we understood that those aren't perfect families. They still have problems and challenges, go through bumps and bruises, but they are growing little by little to be more like Jesus. It's also a home where the atmosphere is different from the world around it. Love is seen in everything, and that grace is given to one another and received by others. And as Christ is given first place in our lives and in our families, it also affects the church that we are a part of. And so there's two points in the outline today. And the first thing is, is what does it mean, Christ first in our church? Christ first in our church. Well, it shouldn't be a surprise because the verse there, Colossians 1.18, tells us that Jesus is the head of the body, the church. Because God has set Jesus above everything that exists, it's only logical to conclude that he is the one that is the head of the church. And a passage that reads very similarly in Colossians chapter 1, verses 22 and verse 23, it says, And he put all things under his feet, speaking about the Lord Jesus, and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all. And so we have this introduction of a metaphor and understanding that Jesus is the head of the church, Christ is the head, and we are the body. Now you can understand that idea of head in, in, a, in a literal way, thinking about, you know, your head is the, the, where your brain is, the center that controls everything. And so the idea is of leadership and authority. The head is the one that gives empowerment and purpose. But you can also think of it in this way that you know, in, in an organic way, you know, that if the head doesn't have a body, it can't survive. Or the body can't just survive without a head. Unless, in some cases, you may want to read about Mike the Headless Chicken, um, who is a phenomena. You can look it up, Google it later, but for a season there was a chicken that traveled around and, and toured fairs and things like that. And if you just Google Mike the Headless Chicken... And that may be the only incidents I've ever read about. But a head needs a body. A body needs a head because the head is the control center and the body goes where the head directs. And both Ephesians 4 and Ephesians 5 
both affirm this truth that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. It's His church. We're His body, which means He gives the directions. He calls the shots and we follow His lead. Now you may look around and you may see Methodist churches, Baptist churches, Presbyterian churches, Bible churches, non-denominational churches, all these different titles. But let me just tell you that the only church that exists, regardless of the name they put on the wall, is the Jesus Church. And if you walk into a church, it doesn't matter what the name of the church is. If it's not a Jesus Church, then find another church because it's not a place that you belong. But wherever you go in the world, no matter what language you speak, no matter what minor differences you may have in belief or doctrine, if the name of Jesus is lifted up, if the cross is preached, then you find a place where you can worship and there are brothers and sisters in the name of Jesus. And Jesus says in Matthew 16 that he will build a church. And what does he say? The gates of hell will not prevail against it. So let me just tell you this this morning. The church has a future. And the future the church has is not because the culture accepts it. And it's not because the government protects it. The future of the church lies in the promise that Jesus has made to it. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And when men or women try to step in and run the church and leave Jesus out, it never works. At best, it's a place of futility and frustration, but eventually it becomes exposed for what it is and it becomes nothing more than an organization or a social club and it's not at all a New Testament church. The only churches that exist are Jesus' churches. And so the challenge in that is for us here at Cross Timber to be the church Jesus has established and the church that Jesus empowers. That all the voices of culture, all the voices of practicality make no difference. The only thing that matters is what does our king say? What does the head say? Where is he leading? Where should we go? Seek him first. Exalt him above everything else. Be the body that follows the head. Now another wonderful metaphor that the New Testament uses for the church is not the body but a family that we are children children of God adopted by faith that we get to experience his love and his mercy his grace that we enjoy unlimited blessings and that we exist for one person and for one purpose only and that's to please our king and so the church is not just the body it's also the family of God God the father the perfect parent, the one who always knows best, the one who always does best. Jesus, His firstborn, the only begotten Son, and God, because He loves us, adopts children into His family by faith in Christ. God becomes our Heavenly Father. Jesus becomes our older brother. And as God's dear children, we are sons and daughters of God. Now that is packed with power and potential because that means that we're joint heirs with Jesus. It's not a natural occurrence. It's only through faith. We certainly didn't deserve it. We have no entitlement to it, but it's available to us freely because of God's grace, love, and mercy. And as His children in His family, 
we exist as Christ church here at Cross Timber. Galatians 6 and Ephesians 2 both call the church the household of faith. Household of faith. And the New Testament is filled full of family language to describe its church. 2 Corinthians 6, 18 talks about us being sons and daughters. Matthew chapter 12, Jesus himself speaking, says that if we are in a if we believe in him, we are his brother, his sister, or his mother. And First Timothy five adds father to that list, along with mother, brother, and sister. And in Paul's letters, and especially in, in Titus and some other places, there are very specific guidelines that talk about family relations, not only in the home, but also in the church. And so God has set up his church to be a family. So when you hear the phrase church family, it should be more than a nice sounding name. It implies relationship, it requires cooperation, and it stands or falls on the connection of we have with Jesus. We're all unique. We're all different. We all have quirks. We all have bumps and bruises. We all have things that get on each other's nerves. And it's a miracle that God can unite people from those different backgrounds with different struggles into what we call a church that meets at a particular place on a particular morning. An article in Christianity Today called Church is a Family, Not an Event, written by Krish Kandaya. I want you to listen to what he writes. She writes, Families look out for one another. Families are committed to each other for the long haul. They support one another through tragedy and triumph. Families are not make are not making economic calculations about cost and benefit. They're committed for better or worse for richer and poorer. Church is not a building. Church is not an event. Church is a, a family. And as the family of God that meets here across Timber, we are in the same way to be committed to one another for the long haul, not quick to give up, not, not speedily passing judgment upon others, but looking out for each other, encouraging one another, caring for one another, working together with the biological family that we're a part of, not in competition with it, to raise up disciples, men and women, children that live for the glory of Jesus. And your church family is accountable and responsible to you, and you are responsible and accountable to your church family. And that means at least two things. First, you matter. Individually, you matter. You have a place and a purpose, and your family does too, secondly. And because you matter, then your walk with Jesus matters. Every part of the family, God's family, is important. Read 1 Corinthians 12. There's no 
part of the body that's more important. Eyes, ears, big toes, we all are needed. And 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Every part is different and unique, but every part is necessary. And every part should work together. So we're necessary. We're called to work together. In verse 26 in 1 Corinthians 12, just one verse before that says, If one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together. Because we are connected, we work together, we serve together, we feel together. And regardless of your age, regardless of your income, regardless of your level of maturity in Christ, your strength or your weakness, your health, you matter. Every single one. And you need your church and your church needs you. And when you grow in your relationship to Christ, then the whole family benefits. But also in the same way, when you wander in your walk or you become lapsed in your attendance, the whole family suffers. Why? Because family needs family. And this family needs you, and it needs all of you. In your natural family and your church family, we need to put Christ first. And when you become part of a church, your family immediately multiplies. Because your family is part of a larger family when you join a church family. You immediately gain an extended family of brothers and sisters in Christ. But listen to how the New Testament describes other relationships. Older men become father figures. means that we should look to them for wisdom and we should offer them respect. Older ladies become motherly influences also. There are many things that we can learn from the mature ladies in our church that they can be an influence in our lives. Youth and kids, children become grandchildren, adopted in God's family. And with all of those relationships, it just increases the opportunities we have to love and serve one another. Now another benefit is that we get to to benefit from the wisdom of mature believers. God gives us direction in His Word about how husbands and wives are supposed to interact. In in marriage, we have the, the truth here, but through relationships, through listening to to couples that have walked that road for many years, we gain wisdom and practical knowledge that is helpful. In parenting, grandparents that have raised children and have raised grandchildren and have helped both with great-grandchildren offer both encouragement and wisdom. And we learn just from being together how Life is to be lived in our walk with Jesus. But there's more benefits. Older members find adopted grandchildren in the church. Younger children find adopted grandparents in the church. And there is, it's a place when we come to church where everyone should feel like they belong. 
It helps to pull some out of isolation, loneliness. helps to promote unity and cooperation. And it's also a place that we can pass on a spiritual heritage. There's a lot of places you could go to be around people. But I think church is probably one of the best places to avoid that isolation. To battle against selfishness. To fight loneliness. Because when you come to church with an attitude of serving the Savior and considering others better than yourself, you're going to find infinite opportunities to love and to serve your church family. One of the things that I love on Sunday mornings is, is during the, the welcome time. The, the music's playing, um, the worship team's playing, and, and some of our, our youngest members move around the building, smiles, hugs, handshakes, and when younger meets older, there's this spark of life and joy, and I could only imagine the warming that happens on the inside of the hearts of those adults and in those children. It's a beautiful thing to be a part of a family, a church family. Psalm 145 tells us this, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Psalm 145, verse... I don't know if it's verse 3 or verse 4. It's in Psalm 145. Let's see how quickly my Bible can turn there, and I'll tell you that real quick. It's Bible drill. But our responsibility is to be in the pass-it-on-down business, in faith, in life, in living in our relationships. And these pages are sticking together, but I'm almost there. It is verse 4. Psalm 145, verse 4, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Pass it on down, one generation to the next. See, in the last couple of weeks, we've, we looked at why it's necessary to put Christ first in your life, in your church, in your family. But I want to close by just looking at some results. What happens? What are the results of putting Christ first. I I noted three. There's probably more. The first thing is that Christ is formed in us. Now, where did I get that? That's kind of a strange-sounding phrase. Galatians 4.19. My little children, Paul writes, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. The goal of our walk of faith is to to know Jesus, to grow in Jesus, to mature in Jesus, or to have Christ formed in us. That our mind is not only formed by the thoughts of Christ, but transformed by the renewing of our mind. Our actions are formed after the pattern of Jesus, and the transformation happens from the inside out. Christ formed in you. Pastor Todd Wilson, in his commentary on Galatians, writes this. um, Christ must be formed within believers. Jesus off the, once more, Jesus' own self-giving life must take shape within their lives together as a 
congregation. So it's the self-giving life of Jesus inside the heart of a believer that begins to do both demolition work and remodeling work in our hearts, little by little. Because if you have walked with Jesus for a while, you know that there are some tearing downs that need to happen. There's some tearing outs. There is some demolition that needs to take place. But also, there's also the beauty of his remodeling work as he begins to make all things new, as he gives you new attitudes, a new love, a new understanding, a new outlook. And the desire of God is to see everyone not only walk with Jesus, but grow in Jesus. To form in us. Now the next thing is that God's presence would be among us. So as we walk with Jesus, as we put him first, we see him formed in us, but we also see his presence among us. When God's Spirit is working in someone's life, it'll show in the church. Now, it's true, every believer has the Holy Spirit. The challenge and the problem is we don't always operate in the power of the Spirit. We try to do things on our own and apart from Him. Oh, but when God moves and shows up, it's wondrous. We saw just a little small taste of it on the first service of the year. God just brings the bedores here and gives Donnie a word of testimony to share about the newness that Christ offers. We saw someone step forward in, in faith and say, I want to be, be baptized in Florence. And, and we got to see what it looks like when, when God begins to work and move. And let me just say this. When we lay down our agenda, and when we look to the agenda that the Holy Spirit has, we'll experience His presence. That can happen on a Monday morning by yourself. It can happen on a Sunday morning with 70 believers. And whatever happens, it's always going to be good. It's going to be more than we expect. And the work that is among us will be evident. It will be clear that it's God's Spirit working. Because God works in us on the inside so we can work through us. And so we need His presence. We long for His presence and we want to see God work through us. That's the third thing. Jesus taught His disciples to live a life that would shine brightly for everyone to see. Remember that, Matthew 5, that they would see the good works and glorify God in heaven. What's He trying to say is that when we allow God to work in our lives, it's going to show on the outside. That when we put Christ first and put others before ourselves, that it will be evident and clear for all to see. That with that desire to please God and a heart of love and compassion for others, there will be no doubt that it's God at work in us. Philippians 2.13, For it is God who works in us both to will and and to work for His good pleasure. So God not only does the work inside, preparing us, but He also gives us the, the momentum, the energy, the desire to serve on the outside. And all of it is so that we can please Him. And as we grow in Jesus, we 
will go more for Jesus. Be willing to step out in boldness and share the gospel, to serve the neighbors around us, and to love with the love of Jesus. So when we put Christ first, he's formed in us. He works in us. We experience his presence, and then he works through us. Let me just remind you of what we looked at at the beginning, that putting Christ first is the top priority for you, church, your family. That's true. The first of the year, we're going to make resolutions. The middle of the year, when we've already thrown them to the side, and at the end of the year, when we're looking toward making new resolutions. Every day of our life, it's important to put Jesus first, because Almost everything in nature, where the head goes, the body follows. And I don't want to be the kind of person that lives life rear-end first, backing into things, hoping it'll work out. I want to be following Jesus, my head, knowing that he knows the directions, that he'll tell me where to go in my life, in my family, and on our church. There's an old hymn. Where he leads me, I will follow. I can hear my Savior calling. I can hear my Savior calling. I can hear my Savior calling. Take thy cross and follow. Follow me. In the chorus, where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. I'll go with him, with him, all the way. Can you sing that today from your heart, for yourself, for your family, for your church? In my life, where you lead me, God, I will follow. In my family, God, where you lead us, we will follow. In our church, where you lead us, we'll follow. We'll go with you, with you all the way. Because putting Jesus first is the top priority for our church, for our family, for ourselves. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we we can't say any more about what your scripture already says. You're the head of the body of the church. You're the firstborn from the dead. And in everything, you might have first place. That's the truth. It's that you are in first place and you deserve first place all the straining, all the struggling, all the fighting and resisting that we do can't move you from that spot. There's a throne in heaven that's meant for you, and even though we think we can push you off and climb up on it, it'll never happen. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You are worthy. You are exalted. You're in first place. And Lord, I, I ask that you would help that to be our closing thought this morning. That you would line up our 
mind, will, and emotions give the truth that you're in first place. That we wouldn't live our lives like train cars trying to push the engine. But we would live our lives as train cars connected to an engine that's filled with infinite power and that knows the right direction and that guides us through the tracks of life this journey that you have us on for each person, for each family, for this church. You're the one that knows when to switch tracks. You're the one that knows the way home. And you're willing to get us there. And we trust that you will. Help us to acknowledge what's already true to lay down pride and frustration and put our trust in you. That you would be exalted in first place in all things for your glory. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. We'll have a moment to listen to the voice of God and to respond. It's a challenging question to wrestle with. God, are you honest, can honestly say that I'm acknowledging that you are first place in all things? It involves laying ourselves down and taking up our cross daily to follow him. And so as we sing together, that flow through your mind and through your heart as God speaks. God, have I put you in first place? Or am I trying to do it my own way? But realizing that today you can set things right and allow Jesus to be head and to follow him wherever he goes. Maybe today is the day that you just set that right. Maybe today is the day that you think, gosh, today I, I don't guess I've, I've always just came to church and I haven't really made a decision to follow Christ and to give him first place. Today can be that day of salvation. Maybe you just need encouragement and prayer and I encourage you to just grab a brother or sister next to you and say, hey, will you pray with me? Could need to come to the altar and lift it up before the Lord. Maybe just pray quietly where you are. But I do encourage you to stand with us as we sing, to listen to the voice of God and respond as he speaks to us. For God so
morning and again remind you and invite you to please stay for lunch it'll just take a few minutes to break apart some chairs and set up some tables in here and we'll be eating lunch before you know it so please plan to stay and enjoy the meal with us and after that we'll have our business meeting thank you again for worshiping we're going to to sing together and um once we begin to sing you're free to go don't forget to grab a memory verse magnet on the way out with second corinthians 5 17 on it as well. So, Lord bless you. Here you stand.